Hello, I'm Matt McMurray, driver of the number 45 Algarve Pro Racing Lee J LMP2 prototype in the 2017 24 Hours of Le Mans, and you're listening to Speedway Sounds with Noah Stein on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Car Fanatics in Irvine, Orange County, California, the United States, and around the world. It's time for the most famous words in motorsport. Drivers, start your engines. This week on Speedway Sounds. Detroit, Michigan, the car capital of America, hosts the North American International Auto Show this week and there is no shortage of headlines. They include the unveiling of the new IndyCar Aero Kit and autonomous driving technology. But first, I'll recap last weekend's round three of the FIA Formula E Championship in Marrakesh, Morocco. And I'll look closer at defending champion Lucas Degrassi's awful thir- first three races as well as Felix Rosenquist rise to the top of the standings. All that and more this week on Speedway Sounds. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Speedway Sounds. It is Thursday, January 18, 2018. I'm Noah Stein, the host of Speedway Sounds. Let's begin with Formula E. This morning, last Saturday, was the third round of the 2017-2018 FIA Formula E Championship in Marrakesh, Morocco. The big headline is that Felix Rosenquist won his second consecutive race for Mahindra Racing in a spectacular pass with less than five laps to go on Sebastian Buemi, who had been leading the entire race up to that point. He conserved enough energy and had enough energy at the end where he could uh, use more energy in the last five laps than Sebastian Buemi could and was faster. Buemi finished second, and Sam Bird, who had been running second at the, uh, the time but faltered late with a technical error, finished third. In also a surprising headline, Lucas Degrassi, who is the defending Formula E champion, suffered his third consecutive DNF with another battery problem. This is the first time he has failed to finish three consecutive races, and as a result of not finishing any races, he's earned zero points. He's one of only two full-time drivers in Formula E right now to have never scored, to have not scored a point this season. This puts him at a very, very small chance of winning the championship at the end of the season in July. However, Felix Rosenquist is now at the top of the standings. He has 54 points after scoring 25 in this race and 29 in the last race in the second round at Hong Kong. He also earned pole and fastest lap in Hong Kong. But he but he did score zero points in the first race. In second place right now, Sam Bird in the driver's standings. He scored 25 for the win in round one at Hong Kong, scoring 10 as well in Hong Kong race two and 15 for finishing third in Marrakesh. Jean-Eric Verne is currently third in the standings. And fourth place is Nelson Piquet Jr. He's having a fantastic run in the Formula E Championship so far with his new team, Panasonic Jaguar Racing. He switched teams over the offseason, and it is paying off so far with earning 12 points in round one and 13 plus the fastest lap in round three. And, of course, if you've been following Speedway Sounds, we've been having a pick game on Twitter for the last three rounds. 
And I'd first like to congratulate Tristan Cortez, who is our Speedway Sounds F1 analyst, for winning round three in the picks game. The rules were you had to pick two drivers, and those two drivers couldn't be the same drivers that you picked in round two. He picked Sebastian Buemi, who finished second, as I was saying, and Sam Bird, who finished third. So that is a solid 33 points for having the last two spots on the podium. I picked Sebastian Buemi as well. And I also picked Jose Maria Lopez, who returned to Formula E after missing the Hong Kong round due to not having a ride. He finally got a ride. Maria Lopez finished sixth, earning eight points. We also had two other players in Speedway picks at Seth13459. He picked Lucas Degrassi and Sebastian Buemi. Of course, Sebastian Buemi finished second, worked out for him, earning him 18 points. But Lucas Degrassi retired, zero points for the second pick there. And Matt McMurray also played the game this week. He picked Lucas Degrassi also earning zero points, but he picked Alex Lynn as well. That earned him two points. Not a very good week, but still earned some points better than none at all, like in the first week for me. At the top of the Speedway pick standings is Tristan Cortez with 77 points. He climbed from second to first with this race. I am now second, seven points behind with 70 points. At Seth13459, he is third with 55 points. Matt McMurray is fourth to 31. Now let's look ahead to the Detroit Auto Show, the North American International Auto Show. There have been a lot of interesting cars revealed this week in Detroit. Everything from the latest full-size trucks to new power concepts and SUV concepts as well. First up, I want to talk about the three new trucks unveiled in Detroit this week. First, we have the 2019 Ford Ranger. It is a compact pickup, which is motivated by, and the decision for that, Ford said, is motivated by good global sales. And the recent increase in the midsize truck market share from Toyota and General Motors, it shows a change in direction for Ford trucks, which previously relied on a wide range of Ford F-150 models to meet customer demand. The new Ford Ranger will be designed in Australia, but built in Michigan. Motor Trend interviewed Ford Truck Group marketing manager Todd Eckert, and he said, in paraphrase from Motor Trend's article, the Ranger owner is an urban dweller who drives his truck to work, not for work, and uses it to play on the weekend with his toys in the bed in the back is not about affordability, but more about size, scale, and fuel efficiency. Some of the specs on the Ford Ranger, it will be offered with a single engine, the second generation 2.3 liter turbocharged four-cylinder EcoBoost engine with Ford's new 10-speed auto transmission. No manual option on this truck. No specs are publicly available yet, but the 2.3 liter is also used in Ford's Explorer car, and it gets 280 horsepower and 310 or pound-feet of torque in the Ford Explorer. Something in addition to the Ford Ranger has a very cool trail control feature announced this week, which keeps the truck moving at slow speeds between 1 and 20 miles per hour for off-road driving. It's like a second cruise control feature. Moving on to the next truck, it's the 2019 Ram 1500. Some of the benefits of the new model are a 225-pound weight reduction, which includes 100 pounds deducted from the frame and by using more aluminum in small components like engine mounts and the steering system and axle components as well. And even with those changes, the truck is stronger and can carry and tow more than before. There are a couple engine options with the Ram 1500 for 2019. A 3.6 liter V6 engine producing 305 horsepower and 269 pound-feet of torque or a 5.7 liter hemispherical V8 engine, 395 horsepower and 410 pound-feet of torque. Both are coming with a new hybrid system the hybrid called e-torque mild hybrid because it's kind of different than the hybrid system popular with cars. 
It works by taking on the role of a traditional alternator, but stores energy in a 48-volt, 300-watt battery. The charged battery's power is fed to the crankshaft, adding torque for situations like starting from a standstill. Depending on the engine, it can contribute a max, maximum torque of either 90 pound-feet or 130 pound-feet, depending on which engine you choose. Also about the Ram 1500, the production of the Ram 1500 is moving back to Detroit, Michigan from Mexico. And Ram is currently the third highest selling full-size truck behind the Chevy Silverado. It is also more aerodynamic this year, and Fiat Chrysler, which is the parent company of Ram, claims it is the most aerodynamic full-size truck available. It even has a power-adjustable rear spoiler, as well as new bigger brakes, the biggest front rotors of any full-size truck, and an 8-speed automatic transmission. And the last truck for today is the 2019 Chevy Silverado. The key word here is larger, but it also lost 450 pounds. Again, more use of aluminum on this truck as well. In fact, the Silverado's exterior swing panels use aluminum, but the fixed panels are still made of steel. The suspension also uses much more aluminum. There are eight different types of Silverado, quite a variety, with varying features offered. High value, high volume, and high feature are the categories un under which these options are offered. In addition to the eight different trim options, there are six different engine and transmission combinations to choose from. So Chevrolet is trying to make the Silverado the truck for everyone in every price range. The engine combinations include the 5.3 and 6.2 liter V8s. Both engines will have a special engine management system called Dynamic Fuel Management. The DFM can shut down any of the engine cylinders all the way down to one running cylinder for optimal fuel economy. There will also be a 3 liter inline 6 turbo diesel option on the 1500 model. That diesel engine and the 6.2 liter gasoline engine will use a 10-speed automatic transmission. Let's see. All right, that's it for, actually for the Silverado. And the next car, we're done with the trucks for now. The next car is a classic Mercedes that has been around since 1979. It was introduced, uh, the special announcement was introduced by the former governor of the great state of California, the governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He helped unveil this next vehicle in something completely reflective of the actor's American fame, a cowboy hat. Given a refresh, the Mercedes G-Class is the car, one of the first, it's, being, it's one of the first refreshes to the G-Class since it was introduced in 1979. The G-Class's Mercedes off-road SUV that looks like it's from the 1950s. Mercedes-Benz it says it wants to upgrade the interior and the drivetrain while leaving the exterior in its classic form. The G550 loses 375 pounds, and it'll have a 416 horsepower bi-turbo 4-liter V8 with a new suspension. In short, almost all the changes are under the hood or in the cabin, and there are no exterior changes of significance for this car. Also announced was a new car from Honda, an upgrade of the Insight model. So the 2019 Honda Insight prototype was revealed in Detroit. The Insight returns for the first time since 2014. It's a new type of car changing from a hatchback, which had been sold in as in Europe. It had been sold as a hatchback in Europe and is now being sold as a sedan. It will now replace the Honda Civic Hybrid, which draws a small tear from my eye as my first car was an early Honda Civic Hybrid from 2003. But with hybrids gaining popularity around the globe, there's still so much for me to be happy about with that. It's not a plug-in hybrid, which makes it more similar to its Accord hybrid brother, and less similar to the Clarity, which is a plug-in hybrid. There aren't too many details that have been revealed yet, 
only that it'll have a 1.5 liter engine that kicks in at higher speeds after the electric motor, bringing what Honda claims will be best in class fuel economy, higher than 50 miles per gallon. And the car I thought was the most interesting revealed at the Detroit Auto Show so far this week is the Ford Mustang Bullet. Ford revealed a new special edition of its Mustang, the Bullet, spelled B-U-L-L-I-T-T, and on stage, the car premiered with its 1968 fastback counterpart in identical colors, the dark Highland Green from the Steve McQueen film Bullet. A lot, there's a lot of cool differences. The original engine, or a lot of cool differences between the Bullet Mustang and any other Mustang. The original engine now produces over 475 horsepower and 420 pound-feet of torque, raising the top speed by 8 miles an hour to 163. The Bullet uses the same intake manifold as the Mustang GT350. Some of the small changes include a cue ball stick shift, a circular gas cap, leather seats, and chrome accents to make it more like the 1968 car. Ford put out one fun video of a woman in the Bullet racing two men in a Dodge Challenger for the last parking spot in a parking garage. The part I thought was the most funny was that driving 60 miles an hour in a crowded parking garage is apparently okay according to Ford. I'd like to see anyone give that a try and get out of there safely. <laughs> You'll have to see the video to see who got the parking spot and how. There's another film also where the granddaughter of Steve McQueen, Molly McQueen, meets with, with Sean Kiernan, the current owner of, the, of one of the two original bullets from the movie. There are a lot of fun facts that Sean mentions in that film. Both are about two minutes long. There are also so many scientific and industry panels at the Detroit Auto Show that I would have definitely attended if I were there. The first is Racing to Autonomy from ADAS, which is Advanced Driver Assistance Systems, to Performance AI led by John Waraniak, the Vice President of Vehicle Technology at SEMA. There's also a panel discussion on the trends that will continue to reshape the automotive industry, led by Glenn Stevens of Mitch Auto, an initiative promoting Michigan's auto industry. There's also how autonomous driving and infrastructure changes will, affect, will influence mobility. And one other one I found notable was the risk versus the rewards of connectivity, which included a lawyer and a professor, among other industry experts, discussing the, legal, the privacy implications of having your car connected to the rest of the world. Another piece of technology that I'm extraordinarily impressed with is the Achates Power Engine. It is an, S, uh, an article posted on SAE International this week from the auto show. Achates Power, a San Diego-based company, displayed and demonstrated the engine it developed using a $9 million grant from the U.S. Department of Energy awarded in 2016. It's known, and I'm going to get really technical here for a minute, as an opposed piston gasoline compression ignition engine. Achati's primary achievement with this type is a 2.7 liter three-cylinder engine. Not the engine you might expect to be demonstrated in a Ford F-150 truck, but that's exactly the vehicle they chose to demonstrate it in in the Detroit Auto Show. But this engine gives an impressive 37 miles to the gallon, four, better, four MPG better than regulations going into place in 2025, while also delivering 270 horsepower and 480 pound-feet of torque, even better than Ford's current 3-liter V6 engine. Citing automotive engineering, the Achates OPGCI injects fuel early in the compression cycle for a lean mixture with incoming air and residual exhaust that is purposefully left in the cylinder, 
Then ignition is initiated by injection of the gas just like on a diesel engine. The turbocharger and supercharger provide the, pr the pressure differential in the cylinder that gives a much more efficient power output. One of the highlights from the Detroit Auto Show as well, the unveiling of the Verizon IndyCar Series Universal Aero Kit for 2018. IndyCar, with the help of reigning champion Joseph Newgarden, unveiled the new Universal Aero Kit for the 2018 season. President of IndyCar Jay Fry, as well as executives from the two engine manufacturers, Chevrolet and Honda, plus Roger Penske attended. Fry began the 30-minute presentation by talking about the reasons for optimism within IndyCar, including increased race attendance and TV viewership, as well as adding tracks that are fan favorites, such as the returning Portland International Raceway. Above all are the four new teams joining the Verizon IndyCar Series this year, Carlin, Junkos, Michael Shank Racing, and Harding Racing. He then introduced Joseph Newgarden as a representative of the new generation of drivers. Newgarden went through the specifics on stage of the car with as much expertise as he could give as a driver and uh, from experience with what he's learned from the engineers around him. Starting at the front wing, it generates less downforce than the last kits, he said. Moving to the center, he explained that the car is much lower, increasing downforce and enhancing the flow of air under the car. The side pods are also better looking, but also safer with more driver protection. He implied that speeds could reach 240 to 245 miles per hour for qualifying at the Indianapolis 500. The U.S. Vice President of Performance Vehicles and Motorsport at Chevrolet said, I think the new car is reminiscent of the old IndyCar styles. It's a very attractive car. The aero kit has about 20% less downforce, so obviously it's put the drivers back in the driver's seat to show what they can do behind the wheel. We have found that the Chevrolet drivers who have been testing this kit and engine have to really relearn how to get quickly around the road courses and ovals. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun and very exciting. With less downforce, the drivers will really have to be on the top of their game. That's it for all the news from the Detroit Auto Show. We're going to go into a couple of other headlines from the past weekend. On Sunday, America's racing community lost one of its greatest heroes, Dan Gurney. He was born in New York but moved to Riverside, California in his early years, where he became a fan of SoCal's hot rod culture. After serving in the Korean War, he started his racing career in 1957 at the inaugural Riverside Grand Prix, where he was only beaten by none other than Carroll Shelby. He attracted the attention of Ferrari and drove one in the 1958 24 Hours of Le Mans. He continued with Ferrari and drove in the Formula One World Championship in 1959. He later drove for Porsche, Brabham, but then decided to become a car constructor as well, starting the AAR All-American Racers team, known as Anglo-American Racers, in the F1 Championship due to British influence. He called his cars Eagles. After some minor successes in F1, he raced a Ford GT40 with AJ Foyt, in the 1967 24 Hours of Le Mans and surprisingly won that race against all the other Fords and more importantly for the inter-manufacturer rivalry, the Ferraris. He is credited with starting the tradition of spraying champagne on the other drivers on the podium, one of racing's most essential traditions. He raced also in the Indy 500 and Daytona 500 before retiring in 1970 with four F1 wins and 19 podiums five NASCAR wins all at Riverside International Raceway, two second-place finishes in the Indy 500, and the 1967 Le Mans win. He continued to run All-American Racers until 2011, and the team won the 24 Hours of Daytona, the 12 Hours of Sebring, and numerous championships. He passed away at the age of 86 
in nearby Newport Beach, California. Oh, I wanted to mention on Dan Gurney real quick, uh, personal note, when I, was, when I had an online racing career, when I was racing on the Xbox 360 in racing leagues such as the Online Racing Association, I raced for a team called the All-American Racers named after Dan Gurney's team. And so it was very interesting to, it, it was kind of a personal experience to be connected with Dan Gurney in kind of an unofficial way, just as a, as a fan club in a way. But it was still, that's how my connection with Dan Gurney started. And he is definitely one of the most legendary figures in American motorsport. Around the internet this week, Takuma Sato and Michael Andretti returned the big Borg Warner trophy for winning the 2017 Indianapolis 500. In exchange, they received their permanent prize called the Baby Borg, a miniature model of the trophy for their own personal keeping. And just announced this morning, Danica Patrick reunites with her old sponsor GoDaddy.com to run the final two races of her career, which are this year's Daytona 500 and Indianapolis 500. It is yet to be announced which teams she will be racing with. And that's it for this week on Speedway Sounds. Follow the show on Facebook and Twitter, at Speedway Sounds. Next week will be a really special edition of the show. It is the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona special with Matt McMurray. Matt McMurray is the UCI Aerospace Engineering student, and this year he had been driving last year for Park Place Motorsports in the four North American Endurance Championship races, but it was announced recently that he will be driving full-time in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship this season, in the prototype category with Spirit of Daytona Racing. That means he will race all the rounds of the championship, the 24 hours of Daytona, the 12 hours of Sebring, uh, the, and most importantly for me personally, the Toyota Grand Prix of Long Beach coming up in April. He will be racing alongside teammates Tristan Vaudier and Eddie Cheever III. Matt McMurray will join me next week for an interview before he leaves for Daytona. So tune in next week. Coming up next on KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine is the sounds of Rich Mahogany with DJ Lilsdale. I hope you'll always wear your helmet and never ever drive distracted under the influence, and please always wear your seatbelt. I'm Noah Stein, and you're listening to Speedway Sounds on KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Have an awesome day, and let's go racing. This show is produced, written, edited, and hosted by Noah Stein and produced on KUCI Equipment. Thank you to Broadcasting Assistant Lily Doe, Public Affairs Director Kimberly Martin, and Station Manager Kevin Stockdale for their help in making this show possible. For replays of Speedway Sounds, go to facebook.com slash speedwaysounds or on Twitter at Speedway Sounds. You can also visit KUCI's talk show website. The opinions and views expressed on Speedway Sounds are not those of KUCI, UC Irvine, or the University of California Board of Regents. For more information about all of KUCI's programming, go to KUCI.org. 